Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, a program by Catholic men for Catholic men. I'm Matt Palmer. I'm so blessed to be one of the co-hosts. I'm with Catholic Men's Ministry here in the Diocese of Columbus. And uh, we're supported by St. Gabriel Radio, who um, provides all of the programming and our operational support. We're so grateful to that ministry. And I'm joined by my great brother in Christ, my co-host, Devin Shad, with Fathers of St. Joseph. Devin, good morning, brother. Good morning. How you doing out there in beautiful Iowa? I'm doing well. How about you? I am doing great here in Columbus. It's uh, It's a cold day. It's a December day when we're recording this program. Advent is upon us, and what a beautiful season as we get ready for our Lord's coming. And I'm so excited. We have... Devin, Matthew Leonard is our guest today, and um, but before we introduce Matthew, um, Devin, would you open us in prayer, and let's open our hearts to what the Lord wants to speak through Matthew and through our listeners' hearts today. Yeah, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we, we praise you and we worship you because of you, because you're not evil, and you're not uh, selfish. You don't hoard your glory. You don't keep things for yourself, but your complete, total, self-giving love as expressed in your Son. And we just pray that we may be real men like him in giving ourselves away and in giving ourselves away, experience more of you. So we just ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us right now. Anoint this conversation and allow us just to understand what your will is for our lives and to fulfill it. And so to participate in your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name, and we pray, Mama Mary and St. Joseph, please intercede for us. Amen. Amen. name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Devin. Matthew Leonard, good morning. Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron. It's great to be with you, Matt and Devin. God bless you guys. It is so good to have you, and um, we're going to learn more about your apostolate, but I want our listeners to have a chance just to kind of get to know you personally a little bit, so... Tell us uh, about your bride and your children and where you live, and, and then we'll actually back you up and kind of hear your conversion story. But tell us about you right now, your family. I love the fact you started there. I'll tell you right off the top, I'm married way up, uh, <laughs> way over my pay grade. My, my wife is fantastic. Her name is Veronica. We all out and, We all uh, out kicked our coverage, brother. We all did that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Veronica and I have six kids uh, so far. And, uh, we have a, it's just, you know, it's so wonderful to be a Catholic father. This is not something you think about too much when you're growing up, but I am so in love with my wife and my kids, and I'm just really blessed to have a family. And I know that's not always possible for other people. And I, and I pray for those who haven't experienced family life, uh, but what a blessing it is to have a family. It's just preparation for the family of God. And I, I just love my life as a Catholic dad. Isn't that wonderful to hear? I think sometimes we just, we, we don't always stop to consider the gift of, the, of family life, that, that it resembles the Holy Trinity, um, that we are made for that communion. And Devin, I know you, you speak and write a lot on just the gift of family life. Isn't it beautiful to hear Matthew just kind of start us off that way? Yeah, it's inspiring. I love to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Matthew, I know you're a convert. Um, take us back a little bit where you grew up and, and kind of just um, kind of walk us through your journey with Jesus over the years and how you came into the church. 
I am so blessed. Uh, I've been Catholic now for t- almost 24 years mm. me, uh, this Easter. I'm a pastor's kid. And so this is never where I thought I was going <laughs> to end up. I was pretty convinced that uh, all all Catholics were pretty much going to go to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> and uh, praise God, because I, um, I'm kind of a Protestant mutt uh, in the sense that my dad was a Methodist pastor, and then he was a Pentecostal pastor. And for people in the Protestant world, you know, those are kind of polar opposites. But mm-hmm. uh, I have been just about every denomination you can imagine. I went to Oral Roberts University in a Calvinist high school. I graduated from a Swedish Covenant College in Chicago, and I've been in a Baptist church and a Lutheran church. I mean, you name it, I've been there. And a lot of that really is what drove me into the arms of Holy Mother Church, because there's one thing that's pounded into your head growing up as a Protestant kid, and that is, you know, the Bible is your only authority. And... uh the domino that fell for me just begin to move me toward the Catholic faith was, well, how are we supposed to know who's right? I mean, if the Bible is the only authority, who's got the right to interpret it? And once you start asking that question, it's a very slippery slope into the arms <laughs> of Holy Mother Church, because you realize that the same church that Christ gave the authority to form the canon of sacred scripture is the same church that Christ gave to determine what it means. And that's, I mean, it was not an overnight process by any stretch, uh, but really, uh, that's what drew me into the arms of Holy Mother Church, and I am so ecstatic to be a Catholic. Wow. You know, um, I think your story is is just what I'm hearing so far. It's very powerful, and it's this journey that the Holy Spirit seems to to bring men and women on. And in your case, I mean, think about as a PK, those different Protestant denominations, those strains of thinking and teaching And a lot of that had to be overcome. The Holy Spirit had to do a lot of work in your mind and heart to to maybe overcome some of those those teachings that I, too, grew up in the Methodist Church. And I, too, had a lot of um, understandings that sort of had to be broken down and overcome. And uh, but praise God, um, here you are. Um, When did you come into the fullness of the faith? When did you come into the church? It was Easter Vigil 1998. I came in at Franciscan University of Steubenville, and uh, well, what a glorious night. It was difficult in the sense that some of my family members came to the Easter Vigil, even though they did not agree with what I was doing at all. They came purely out of love for me, and I'm very, very grateful for that. But they were so upset after the vigil liturgy that they basically went and got their own open suitcases, put them back in the car, and left for Chicago at midnight. And, Ouch. and that was difficult. Because, you know, that's what happens a lot of times, because when... Uh, a lot of converts go through this, and sometimes I don't think cradle Catholics understand, but when you become Catholic, you're basically saying, hey, look, where I was wasn't the fullness. I don't like to say right and wrong. I mean, the, our Protestant brothers are just that. They're our Protestant brothers, and we need to remember that. Uh, we don't want to beat them over the head with apologetics arguments. We want to draw them in with the light and love and the fullness of the truth in the Catholic faith. But when you become Catholic, you're basically saying, look, this is the fullness and where I was isn't. So what you guys have isn't the fullness of the faith. And it can be a personal rejection on a certain level. So it was it was very hard for a long time uh, in relationships with my family. But thanks be to God that, you know, it, it's healed to a great degree. But I still pray for them to come into the, the fullness of the, the truth and the Catholic faith, because this is the pearl of a great price. And I would not trade it for anything. And I think that The night that I came into the church on that Easter vigil in 98, I realized that I had joined a new family, not one that, you know, replaced my, my siblings or my parents or anything like that, but I had become part of a, 
a bigger family in a deeper way through the sacraments of the church. And I have never looked back. Devin, isn't it just powerful to hear this uh, story so far that we're hearing from Matthew? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I find it. Well, I mean, it's true. I mean, he who leaves mother and houses and brothers and lands, you know, reaps the reward. You know, we leave them for Jesus. And to be able to speak truth to that degree to say, okay, I'm going to have to let let this part of my life go and embrace the truth. You're right. It's the pearl of great price. It's beautiful. But I, I just, I would love to hear though, you know, cause like people who come into the faith, they generally have a, a very much an apologetics bent to them in their, in their ministry, you know, and I know that you're very much about spirituality, you know, and, and so maybe in the second half here, I'd love to hear more about that, how, how you've kind of made that transition to encompass both, the both and, you know, not just the apologetic side um, and having the right answers, so to speak, but also living the spirituality or, or that the Catholic Church gives us in so many beautiful ways. So anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Yeah, beautiful. Matthew, how old were you when you came into the church? I was 29 years old. Okay. Which, which you think about, that's a long time to not receive Jesus. Yeah. You know, Matt, I mean, you, it, you know, I, I often say that cradle Catholics are the most blessed people on the face of the planet because <laughs> they get it from the get go, you know, and uh, guys like us had to wait and people say, Oh, you guys are so lucky because you're Protestant converts and this, and then you have the zeal and you had the scriptures and all that. I'm like, you had Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had Jesus. Amen. Yeah. When, when I became Catholic, my local sponsor sitting right next to me, and he said I literally elbowed him out of the way so that I could be first, <laughs> you know, to receive our Lord. I'm like, listen, man, even though I gave you the forearm shiver, you, can you blame me? Because I was about to encounter God in a radically new way, and I could not wait. And I go to Mass every single day because I love to receive our Lord, and I can't imagine going through life without him. You know, that's a that's a great place to start to make our transition here to to your current ministry. I, I you know, I think we would all encourage our brothers out there that are listening. Um, remember what is happening in the mass, in the sacraments. Remember that we are encountering encountering Jesus Christ himself and, you know, prepare our hearts and come forward with that longing and that expectation and that excitement and that gratitude and that joy because the power of Jesus Christ is entering into our life. He's divinizing us. And do we, do we understand and do we celebrate and do we come ready to encounter Jesus each time we're in a, we're receiving him and encountering him in a sacrament confession, the mass, our marriage. I mean, just Beautiful, beautiful, so powerful. Well, I want to um, let those who are just maybe joining us, this is Iron Sharpens Iron. It's a program by Catholic men for Catholic men. And my name is Matt Palmer. I'm one of the co-hosts. I'm with Catholic Men's Ministry here in the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. I'm joined by my co-host, my brother in Christ, Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. This program is in cooperation with St. Gabriel Radio. And our guest today is Matthew Leonard. Matthew is an on-fire Catholic speaker and writer and teacher. He's a convert to the faith, married, six beautiful children. Matthew, let's let's transition a little bit to your ministry. I really want to get to the science of sainthood, which you have an initiative that you've called that. And, and um, so tell us about 
you know, how you, what your ministry is now, how, how kind of you came to it and begin to share with us how you're out working with Catholic men and women across the country. Thank you. I'd love to. Uh, the Science of Sainthood is a name I basically ripped off from St. Augustine, <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who talks about the fact that the Catholic life is not something we just go through, you know, uh, trying to stay in a state of grace until the day we die or Jesus comes back. There's a systematic process by which we become the saints that we were made to be. And this is what he calls the science of the saints. And so that's why I named it that. So it's basically a series of a bunch of online courses, video courses, and audio meditations and, and uh, written meditations and such that guide a regular Catholic step by step down the process into union with Jesus Christ. And, you know, Matt, you said a word uh, just a couple of minutes ago, and Devin mentioned this in his opening prayer as well, about how God doesn't hoard his glory. And you mentioned the word divinize us. At the end of the day, this is the public secret of the Catholic faith. This is what it's all about. You and I are literally made to be deified. St. Athanasius said, God became man so that man might become God, not equal to him, but through grace, we become what he is in himself. We become divine because we're made for his divine family. And that's what the science of sainthood is really geared toward. It's moving us down that path into the divine life of Jesus Christ, which transforms our life, not just later when we're fully unified with him, but it transforms everything that we are right now. And there's a process by which this happens. And that's what the science of sainthood lays out. Mm, Devin, isn't this powerful to think about this? The men that you serve, that we serve here in our diocese, men are starving. They Sometimes they don't even understand that their heart longs to be divinized, to be united in Christ, and to be filled with Christ. And this is what our life is for. This is the end to which we're headed, but it's also the life now to which we live. Devin, you know, react a little bit to what Matthew's attempting to do here with his with his apostolate. Well, yeah, I think that's he, that's the heart and soul of everything. I mean, and, and this isn't just pie in the sky or some you know, quote from a saint, you know, early in the first couple of centuries. I mean, this is what St. Peter says, that we're called to be partakers in the divine nature. That's God's goal for us. And, and Jesus says, I pray, Father, that they may be one, just as you and I are one. And that's the glory of the Trinity is self-giving love, that oneness, that essential unity. And then you've got Jesus saying, the glory that you've given me, Father, I give to them. So this is laced throughout all scripture. This is God's plan for us. And I think it's beautiful that you have this program that's hyper-focused on this one goal, because that's really it. Because if we don't achieve this, like St. Therese said, she says, we're not to be saints by halves. We can't be. We have to be all in completely, <laughs> and and so we need to be divinized. So I I think it's awesome. I'd love to hear more about the step-by-step process. Yeah, share that, uh, Matthew. Start to help us. There's guys out there listening, and they're they they you know they're starting to the light bulbs going on but they're like how i am i'm buried in work i'm stressed i have kids i have problems how does how do i how do i start this in a day that's so filled with other things so begin to help all of us out there that are struggling to kind of walk this this path well, first of all, I just say, Devin, you're singing my tune. I mean, these verses and these passages you're quoting, this is the stuff that just drives me. And Jesus himself says in Luke 10, there's one thing necessary. This is it. It's the interior life. And so when you get to this point where you recognize that when the second person of the Most Holy Trinity says there's one thing necessary and you start to pay attention, 
you realize then I better start to order my day and my life around this one thing necessary. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. practically speaking, it's really all kind of a growth process. This is the the imagery that that saints like Thomas Aquinas and Augustine and others use, where it's a growing up from spiritual infancy into adolescence and spiritual adulthood. And just as you go through phases in the natural life, you go through phases in the supernatural life. What it looks like, practically speaking, uh, it's really about the basics that are that are there in the Catholic faith. So it's prayer and the sacraments, but it's understanding how they work together and what kind of things you're going to encounter as you move into this deeper relationship with the Lord. Now, on a really practical basis, like how do you do this? Um, it starts with prayer uh, and meditative prayer in particular. If there's one thing I could get more Catholic men to do, it'd be to enter into meditative, real relational prayer with Jesus Christ. This is what changes everything and opens us up for the grace of the sacraments to have its maximum impact upon our lives. As a father of six, the only way that happens for me is I get up before everybody else. That's it. Yep. I make a decision. I'm going to get out of bed. It's, the sun has not risen yet. And I'm going to spend that time with the Lord that I need to. And mm-hmm. when I do that, and I move uh, into my relationships with my wife and my kids and other people, everything's different because it's centered on that relationship with the Lord. But this is all a gradual growth process. Again, just like you grow up in the natural life, you grow up in the supernatural life. So Matthew, let's, let's get even more granular. Let's, um, guys are hearing you getting up early before the rest of the family gets up. Let's talk about specifically what that looks like for you and what you would recommend to the men. What, how does that time of prayer look? What are you doing exactly? Yeah. Well, the first thing I do is I pour a cup of coffee so I stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I don't, you do not turn your cell phone on. You don't turn anything on. Uh, in fact, the saints will say that early morning is the best time to enter into meditative prayer because a big part of it is recollecting yourself, you know, putting yourself in the presence of God. So I will spend just, and this is quiet prayer time. Uh, that's that, typically speaking, that's what meditative prayer is. So I'm quiet with the Lord. Uh, I spend a few minutes trying to recollect myself and then depending on, I, I, I typically start with a rosary and I will take two or three decades and I finish them later with my kids. And then I'll use something like the liturgy of the hours or sacred scripture or spiritual reading. And I begin to go through it very slowly. And this is all meditative prayer is it's an interior prayer where you are inputting into the conversation. Let's, you know, spiritual reading. Okay. For example, And as I'm reading through it, something pops off the page to me. I pause. I engage the Lord. Let him speak to me. But that's not it. You don't, because prayer is always ordered toward action. It's not just a conversation. So when the Lord speaks to you, listen to him, you know, react to it and resolve to act on what it is he's showing you. And if you get distracted, uh, you know, or, or when that moment is over, you go back to your reading, right? And you continue on until your time of prayer is over. And I, I tell people in the beginning, just start with 10 to 15 minutes. If you've never done this before, 10 to 15 minutes can seem like an eternity, right? <laughs> but as time goes by, you'll notice that time goes faster and faster and faster. And the reason why is because literally this is what you were made for. So you will want to engage with the Lord as time goes by. I did not believe that when I first read it in the saints, but it is true because I am made for this relationship. You are made for this relationship. And so you'll want it 
It won't just be a chore. It's what you want to engage because you know it's what drives everything in your life. So once my prayer time is over, I go about my day. But then during the day, like at 12, I'll say the Angelus prayer. Uh, In the evening, I say evening prayer with my wife. And then I do an examination of conscience, a very quick one, just a couple of minutes, you know, kneeling at my bed, thinking about what I did right. What did I do wrong? What can I do better tomorrow? And then I give myself into into the arms of Jesus Christ and I get up the next day and I do it again. You know, it's uh, it's so beautiful to hear this. And Devin, you you write and speak powerfully about entering the silence the first thing in the day. I'm sure you've got a lot of thoughts as we're listening to Matthew share your some of your reactions and insights here as well. Just, I mean, I love the fact that he's saying before the dawn. I mean, we, we know what that phrase means. That takes us right back to the most important morning of all time, which was resurrection morning, Jesus rising from the dead. And the, the person who got up first before the dawn, the person who ran to the tomb first was the first person to find Jesus or Jesus found them. And that was Mary Magdalene. And so if we want to be like her and in receiving that Lord, and being that messenger, that great apostle to the apostles, we need to do the same. But I love it because, Matthew, I mean, like, your prayer life is, like, very similar to mine. I mean, I, I love the whole idea of building your day around God rather than God around your day. And, you know, this, these ideas of have, using the scripture or the liturgy of the hours or the rosary, whatever it is, those are launching pads. You know, I like to say that we're cripples, you know, and that's why we have these crutches. You know, these these are crutches, but they're also like springboards that allow us to dive into the ocean of God. So we're not just swimming on the surface, but we plunge deep and we enter in this divine conversation, which a lot of times is really just God infusing himself into us. That's Mm -hmm. I personally, I believe that one of the most important parts of that recollective prayer that you're talking about is resting in God. That's resting without snoring, but resting in God attentively, as St. John the Cross would say that attentive gaze of love where you're literally waiting on God in silence and letting him do the work in us. Yeah. And you know what you recognize too, Devin, is that the meditative prayer and the doing things is exactly what you're talking about. That's preparation for the next movement. And St. Teresa of Avila has these nine grades of prayer and it, it evolves as your relationship with the Lord deepens the way that you engage with him evolves just like a couple, you know, an old married couple, communicates differently than when they were first married. It's the same thing in our relationship with the Lord. And so as time goes by, you don't need to speak in order to engage in communion with him. And that's that those inklings of contemplative prayer that you're talking about. And we can't make that happen. Like God does that to us. He infuses himself into us. And we prepare for that through those crutches you were talking about, the meditative prayer, the rosary and these things. And not that those things necessarily go away. You could continue to engage in those things as time goes by, but your relationship changes and deepens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think for me personally, I've noticed that one of the things that really hinders that process of where God's contemplation or that infusion of God uh, occurs is when I'm attached to like creatures like food or alcohol or um, just being too busy with my own uh, objectives and work and things like that, where it just slows me, it dulls my spirit. It, it, and, and so I'm not alert. I'm not awake. I'm almost like in this worldly drunken stupor and I'm become more insensitive to the Lord's prompting his voice. And then that's when prayer, like you said, feels like eternity. 
that's because I'm just slow and dull because I'm too attached to too many things. And, and so it's a constant battle for me to like prepare before I prepare, you know, like you're talking about that recollection and prayer before I even get there, I've got to be preparing by, you know, in a sense, detaching myself from things like food, alcohol, uh, you know, maybe, you know, hobbies that are taking over or whatever it is. I don't know if that makes sense, but oh man, yeah, look, if, Matt, if you don't mind, I just want to comment on that. Yeah, we're we're uh, coming towards Matt. the end, but but grab I that, Matthew. Seen, yeah, Saint Teresa of Avila. Just to turn this up a notch, Saint Teresa of Avila will say that if when you get to that point where you realize that your life is really built around your prayer, and you continue to purposely put things in your life that distract you and make you in that put you in that stupor that Devin is talking about, it's actually venial sin. And, and the Whoa. reason why is because you're choosing something else over your relationship with God. Mm. So, for example, like you, you binge on a Netflix series night after night after night and it distracts you from prayer and you know it. Well, she says you're committing a venial sin. And it sounds harsh off the top. But when you really think about it, it makes sense because you're choosing something other than God. Wow. Well, yeah. And this is this is real because, I mean, the first commandment and even Jesus commandment, you know, I mean, obviously, we're not to have any other gods before God, you know, and we're and Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Yes. That's the hardest one. And if we're like you're saying, we're binging on Amazon Prime instead of hitting evening prayer we're making an idol either out of ourselves or Amazon prime. You know what I mean? And, and so yeah. you're right. It, it is a venial sin at the, at the least. There's a lot of us out there that are listening to this and it's, uh, it's penetrating into our hearts. I know it is mine. We're down to the last minute or so. Matthew, um, where can, can listeners go to find out more about your ministry and to really engage more with uh, this wonderful teaching that you're sharing with all of us? Matt, the URL is scienceofsainthood.com. And actually, guys can jump into this for, for free if they want to and take a look around. In fact, it's as easy as texting the word saint to the number 66866. And they can get in and take a look around. There's a free trial and, and see what it's all about and see if it's for you. And I just got to tell you guys that th- this conversation is uplifting me. What a way to start a day to talk about the spiritual life with a couple of guys who love the Lord. So thank you. Well, um, we are so blessed to have you. Thank you yeah. so much. And um, men that are listening, um, we're going to wrap this up today. This is this has been Iron Sharpens Iron. And and that's the whole point of this program is, is guys, if you're out there listening, this is your invitation. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now through Matthew, through, through Devon. We are, um, we are being invited and called to this union with our Lord. And he wants so much to have this relationship with us. So join us again in the future for another Iron Sharpens Iron. Again, this has been Matt Palmer with Catholic Men's Ministry, Devon Shod, Fathers of St. Joseph in cooperation with St. Gabriel Radio. Matthew Leonard, you're going to be coming to Columbus uh, next February to speak at our men's conference about exactly this, the interior life. We look forward to having you. God bless um, you and your ministry, your family. And gentlemen, till, uh, till another program, take care and God bless. <laughs>